Right on six o'clock. Look at that. How smooth. Welcome to episode four of We Didn't Start the Fire, the history lesson you wish you had. Tonight, I'm really excited, uh, but I'm also really nervous and I feel really heavy uh, about what I'll be talking about tonight. Uh, I've had a month off. Um, If you don't remember from last episode, I was on school camp and I hope you were thinking of me during that week. I clocked an hour and 58 minutes of sleep that night. Uh, It was rough, but we had a really good time. Uh, I think I'm still recovering though, so that's where I've been. Um, But here we are, I'm back and tonight it is my own choice topic, which is my favourite always. Uh, Last week, uh, last episode I covered Watergate, which was tricky. So tonight, back to my own topic. Uh, Tonight's episode will be all about North Korea and I want to give a content warning. Uh, Some of the things I talk about are quite explicit. just in their nature uh, in terms of, um, I guess, I guess, as I was saying, sort of the heaviness of it, um, exposing the facts about North Korea is quite heartbreaking. So please, a content warning. And if you're not up for it at the moment, that's absolutely fine. Um, maybe you can um, tune back another time or, or you might like to message me and ask me North Korea and maybe I can give you a version that's um, – a bit friendlier and a bit more palatable, but it's really important that I share facts and personal recounts of the country. So that's what I'll do tonight. Um, The station number, please feel free to text in. And I actually have a question tonight that I don't know how far into, um, you know, I don't know if we'll get an engagement, but I thought, you know, it's good to to have a question for the listeners out there. Um, So... Uh, the number is 0493 I'll say that one more time. 0493 And I've also got my personal phone here too. Um, I can see some messages already. So please feel free to message me on my personal phone. My question for you tonight is, what do you know about North Korea? I'd really love to know. Um, Do you not know much? Text on in. What do you know about North Korea? And I'd love to read them out on air if that's okay. All right. So here we go. Um, I'll just jump right in. So firstly, um, I wanted to explain how North Korea came to be an interest of mine. My mum and her partner, Darren, travelled to South Korea, I want to say four or five years ago, uh, before obviously before COVID, um, and they went to the DMZ, DMZ, um, and they, that's, I'll get into sort of what that is, but uh, there was an overlook onto North Korea. So that's where the South Korean and North Korean border meet and it is called the demilitarized zone. It's a strip of land running across the Korean peninsula and it divides, as I said, North and South Korea. And my mum was told not to wear ripped jeans Um, and the reason is because the people in North Korea will see these and think that the other countries are poor. So there was rules about... um, what they couldn't, can and can't do if you're visiting the DMZ, DMZ. <laughs> um, 
And thank you, Amanda. My first, uh, my first little text in. Kim Jong Un is their fearless leader. Absolutely, that's a great, great start. Um, we'll talk a, a bit about him this, tonight, but obviously, this this is very much um, uh, talks about what he's what his leadership have, has done, and uh, his leadership. Although, and you know, similar to Hitler. Although a tragic leadership and something that um, is horrifying uh, to us actually is a really great leader. If you think about the power he has behind him and how people can uh, follow him in such a way and be so um, faithful to this leader, I mean, although he's so corrupt, a really good leader uh, like Hitler, which is really hard to digest. Um, I've got another text and it is that it, there's like 12 hairstyles you can have, says Amanda. Yes, that's right. There is only a certain amount of hairstyles that you can have and it has to be government approved. So well done. Good job, Amanda. Um, I've got an, a text and I'm just going to say who it's from. Um, oh, sorry about that. Um, oh. I think it's Jared. That's nice. I know that Dennis Rodman frequents North Korea. He's an ex-NBA player. Yeah, there is a weird thing with North Korea and um, or Kim Jong-un, his fascination with the NBA and NBA players. And, and also it's really strange because uh, America and North Korea's relationship is very interesting that I'll get into. But, yes, I've heard that too, Jared, so thank you. Hopefully that is you. All right, so I wanted to start off with how North Korea came to be, Uh, North Korea versus South Korea. So this was the Korean War. It started in 1950 and went until 1953 Uh, and the result is actually inconclusive. So they've actually never – the – oh, I must – the – uh, sorry, I'm just I, I must have read this wrote this late at night. Um, but the the war has actually never stopped. So it is actually still open. Um, although there's not um, active fighting, it's uh, a war that's never been closed, if that makes sense. Uh, so there was two sides, South Korea, United Nations, uh, America, the UK and Australia are on one side and on the other side, North Korea, China and the Soviet Union. Um, the war began when North Korea invaded South Korea following clashes along the border. It went back and forth and it ended on July 27th, 1953. Um, an armist- armistice, armistice, what does that word mean? I mean, I know what it means, but I don't, I don't know how I've, I've written it here. Agreement was signed. So the DMZ was created. Both Koreans allowed um, prisoners to return to their correct side and there was no peace treaty signed. As I said, technically still at war. Frozen conflict. Three million people died from that war, um, which we don't hear of too, too often. Um, oh. Williams takes it in, watched a video of some guy going to North Korea on a water park, was huge and had a barbershop. Yes, I've seen that too. I'm so sad that people have seen that because that's going to conflict what I'm saying. Um, but, yes, there is a I, – I know the exact video you're talking about. There is um, – and that was in Pyongyang, um, <laughs> which um, 
is considered uh, the, the richest part of North Korea and also the show part. Uh, Donovan texted in, I know one of my personal favourite comedies, the interview which is a big spoof of Kim Jong-un and the whole country. This movie caused a big backlash as Kim was not too fond of the Americans taking the piss out of him. Yes, absolutely. Um, there was uh, That was really controversial. And Darren's texted in, Kim Jong-un studied in Switzerland for several years when he was a child. Yes, this is great. I'm sure Darren knows a lot actually, but um, yes, he definitely did, which is concerning that um, he's actually somewhat global um, when you hear sort of how much of a hermit kingdom North Korea is. So Kim Jong-un, as we've mentioned, is the current leader. Uh, he came into power um, – oh, sorry, his father, Kim Jong-il, uh, was 70 when he passed away um, – and when he passed away, uh, this was something that absolutely shocked, uh, as it would, um, shocked the um, uh, the the people of North Korea because they were they they to them their leader was God, um, and he didn't die, he didn't age, he didn't even go to the toilet. <laughs> that was what they believe. Um, so for him to die really took uh, the wind out of them, and and um, it it yeah it it um it really sent shockwaves across the country. There was a mourning period when Kim Jong Il died, and I'm going to leave it there because I'm going to go back to it. Um. So, as I said, Kim Jong-un is currently in power. So, they, their calendar that they go through is called the Juchi, so J-U-C-H-E, Juch calendar. And year one is 1912 when Kim, Kim Il-sung um, was born. So, he is – Kim Il-sung is the grandfather, Kim Jong-il is the father, and Kim Jong-un is – Kim Jong-un is the son who's in control at the moment. So it's gone through the family. Um, and they they believe that year one was when Kim Il-sung was born. So no, the, it didn't, um, the world didn't exist before the leader. And they actually have it's, – it's really interesting um, as I was doing my research because um, the fear that Kim Jong-un puts into people is so real. But also there's a part of me that's honestly – somewhat worried to say this on air, which is crazy, but um, the fear that he injects into people is really real. Um, they've, they've taken the story of Jesus um, and they refer back to Kim Il-sung's birth in a cabin and there was a star above the cabin, cabin and people followed the star to go and visit him. So that's sort of how um, his birth came to be. Um, yeah. Uh, so um, – I forgot to mention, but how I'll do this podcast tonight is I'll start off with sort of just a general um, introduction to North Korea and I'm going to spend majority of my time talking about two Korean def uh, North Korean defectors and their experience and facts and everything I learnt from them. So at the moment, let's just do an introduction. It is a requirement to have an image of Kim Jong-un in the house. If it is found uh, so they have uh, spot inspectors and if they come along into your house and now they do random checks and they normally make them when people are sleeping um, if the uh, spot checker comes in and with his glove 
uh, can wipe any dust off the picture, you are considered as being unloyal to the leader and you will um, face consequences. That can be um, being sent to a prison camp, a labour camp or a um, – oh, there's a third type – a retraining camp. So um, it can – it can um, Vary, and also it's important to note that the North Korean police uh, are the most corrupt in the world. Um, that's been um, sort of proven. Um, so there are ways that you can bribe, um, but something like that would easily get you sent to a, a prison or a labor camp. There was uh, a story and there is stories of it uh, where families have ran back into a burning house and have come out with the pictures. So if your house is burning, you're expected to go back in and get the pictures. And if you don't, so if you come out, the house has burnt and you don't have the pictures, you go straight to a labour camp. And I'll talk a bit more about labour camps as we get into it. Um, so... Uh, there is statues of Kim Jong-un and his father, Kim Jong-il. Um, and if you go and visit these statues, there's certain um, rules or guidelines, shall I say, and I'll take you through them now. So as soon as you get there, you need to bow. You cannot take a photo of part of the statue. So if you're taking a photo, you need to get the head and the feet, so the full statue. Um, if you're caught taking a photo where one of these parts is cropped out, it's considered um, disloyal and, again, you are punished by being sent to the labour camps. Uh, there's a dress code and it's formal. You can't chew gum, can't run, can't sit, can't shout, no smoking, no bags. You have to remove your hats and sunnies to bow. You have to bow in a line with your group and to pose, your arms have to be straight by the side or behind your back. So you can actually take a photo, but your arms have to be specifically placed. Um, and I just wanted to touch on visiting North Korea. So, yes, you can visit North Korea, but it's under very strict guidelines. So, what the what it is, you can go, you can fly into Pyongyang, um, which is their capital, and it's where they inject all their money to. And basically, it's like a big stage. So, it's um, a big show. Um, that it's all really scripted there and it's fake. So that's the only part of the country that money goes into. So the rest of the country you will never get to see and you have to be on a guided tour and these tour guides are actually trained actors that take you around to certain spots to show off the country that is North Korea. There is 100% places you cannot really get out of that um, city uh, because I don't want you to see beyond that. So, yes, you can visit. I've looked into it. I'd love to go. It's extremely expensive and it's very, very limited. So, a theme that is evident in my research is a sense of surveillance. If you speak badly of Kim Jong-un or anything really to do with your country, you are punished uh, re-education camps, labour camps and execution is really big and alive in North Korea and actually has come back with a vengeance and I'll explain that a bit more. Uh, everyone is to be on watch. So if you hear anyone speaking badly about the leader, you are to report it. If you don't, you can be charged with the same punishment as the traitor. So, for example, if I heard my brother William saying, speaking out of turn about the leader and I didn't report it, we are both if we get if I get caught not reporting it, we're both up for the same crime. If you are punished for something in North Korea, 
three generations of your family are punished. So, for example, if your grandfather committed a crime, not only his children but his grandchildren are punished. There's no way that you can come back from being punished and this has to do with your class. So, if it goes through three um, generations and you come out, you'll come out with what's called really bad song bun, which is the status and I'll talk more about that soon. So, Koreans, North Koreans, are living in a state of fear for their own safety and their families. They're so scared to talk out of turn um, in everything that they do. It's um, watched, and I'm sure I'll say this again later, but um, Yomni Park is um, a defector, a North Korean defector, and she speaks about um, she was trained and she calls it trained. She was trained that the birds and the um, bugs could um, you couldn't even say anything in front of them because they heard you and they were spies. And she also had it in her head that um, uh, Kim Jong-un could read her mind. So that's sort of how deep that surveillance um, goes. All right. We will just have a quick word from our sponsors. Come on, Freddy's Kitchen in Station Street. For a coffee and something nice to eat. Yeah, the pizzas are great. In fact, all the food rates down at Freddy's. Caram Station Street. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. Come on, come on, come on, down to Freddy's now. It's a pizza. It's a mystic pizza. All right, getting back into it. Um, as I said, this... Um, I've tried to keep it quiet. Um, I've tried to skim over the really uh, awful details, um, but um, yeah, it. it uh, I've tried to ho- hold back a little bit, but as I said, as we get further into the podcast, uh, I w- I'll give a bit of a warning before I say something that might be a bit upsetting to people. So I'm just going to touch on the labour camps now. Uh, they are compared to concentration camps. So with the labour camps, torture, rape, food deprivation and hard labour. It's very secret. So only a few photos have emerged of labour camps and North Koreans have never admitted – I shouldn't say that um, – Kim Jong-un has never admitted to having them. It's estimated there's seven to eight hundred seven to 800,000 people in these labour camps um, and their time – can vary, but generally life expectancy once you enter a, a labour camp is three months just based on what um, you're expected to do. Uh, you wouldn't, obviously, um, it's no surprise, but people would rather die than end up here. And it's really cruel in that it's it's all a bit of a mental game. So, uh, for example, if you come in and you find out that your punishment's going to be whippings, um, they might say, okay, you're, you're sentenced to 150 whippings, but they won't let you know when they'll do them. So, for example, they might do one one week. The next day, the next day they, you know, next week they might do 10, but they'll never mimic the previous amount. So, you could honestly be in there for – five years for something like that and you you can leave when when you've had all of it 
I don't know if that makes sense, but it's never like you're going to be in here for three months and that's it. Um, something that's really, really important to talk about is um, starvation and this drives a lot of um, my research. I should just mention that um, my research is a combination of about five years of sort of studying North Korea um, and that's through um, reading books of North Korean defectors. It's through watching documentaries, movies, reading about sort of um, reading, reading books about North Korea uh, and all that sort of stuff. So it's come from – I think I said podcast because that was a big one. Um, it's come from from that, uh, all of those different sources. Great to hear that Sam really enjoyed the sponsor. I think they're great. Um, so in the 1990s there was a famine in North Korea. It lasted from 1994 to 1998. Uh, it's expected that 240,000 to 3 million people um, died and it was 3.5 million, I apologise. It was um, put down to economic mismanagement. Um, no food was being produced or, or imported. Uh, people just died on the streets um, and, again, through my research, something that I've come across and this is um, this is where it get a little bit heavy is that um, seeing dead bodies was um, very much normal life, but also the word and the feeling of compassion is not taught in North Korea. So although people saw these bodies, they felt nothing and also they couldn't help these people because no one has food. So there's particularly footage from the 1990s of children, um, you know, in a very um, malnourished state, but people sort of think that that's ended the famine is still very much going. Uh, it, it was called the Arduous March and citizens were told um, in the middle of the crisis, they were told to remember that Kim Il-jung, sorry, Kim Il-sung was once starving. Uh, it was a nod to their leaders uh, as he endured famine and, famine and hunger um, during the North Korean War and... Um, sorry, I apologise. The words famine and hunger were banned because it implied government failure. What I tried to say was um, uh, they were told, you know, there was a time that Kim Il-sung was starving, so you can do it too, basically. Uh, they eventually did ask for help and there was, global, there was a global response that was quick and fast. Um, it was not big enough and it really makes you think that the leader did not fully... Um, capture how bad it had gotten and also only wanted a certain amount um, for, for, for reasons that I'll get into soon. So I'll now move into what will be the majority of my podcast. I'll be talking about two defectors. The first one is Hayasio Lee and the next one is Yomni Park. Uh, these girls both live in America at the moment um, after travel after a bit of travel. So um, South Korea and China is generally where they went and now they're living their lives in America. Um, I did want to let you know, I did reach out. There is, um, I think there was about 25 um, North Korean defectors who live in Australia and I did reach out to two of them. Um, but I'm, I also, when I did reach out, I explained that I'm extremely um, understanding if they didn't want to talk 
about their experience in North Korea and I didn't hear back. So I'm guessing that either they didn't get it or they, they weren't keen and, and that's completely um, respectable um, because it, it, it would be reliving a nightmare and reliving trauma. Um, so these two ladies have both written a book and this is my plug for the books because they are absolutely fantastic and I think I read them in a, a week each. Um, which actually isn't that fast for some people, but for me it is. So Haya Seo Lee wrote The Girl with Seven Names. That was the first book I wrote. And Yomni Park wrote In Order to Live. Um, Yomni Park's recently written a new book as well about freedom. So The Girl with Seven Names. Um, it's only fair I'll start with that one because that's the first book I wrote, um, I read. So the next Part of the podcast will be hearing about the experiences firsthand from North Korea. So, um, as I spoke about, Yomni, uh, sorry, Hayaseo Lee um, talks about the mice, birds, bugs, um, and the fact that they can hear you. You don't even whisper things about your leader. Uh, I learned from her that Kim Jong un uh, was all they taught in school so nothing about the outside world they're also they were never shown a map so they did not realize um that there's there was more to life than their country um up until the point where yomni park discusses that she didn't even know what race she was like she didn't know that being asian was a thing or you know european was a thing um at seven years old hyacio so her first public execution her family received a letter from co a co-worker that wrote that they were about to die from starvation and would be dead by the time uh, her family read the letter. That was her first hearing of suffering. She actually grew up in a very privileged spot where her father was um, uh, high in the government. So she has a very different experience to, to a lot of the defectors I read about. Um Soon after, she was walking past a train station and a woman and a child laying on the ground um, just starving and fading away and no one helped them. I've spoken about a lot of instances for that and and that would have been um, not as regular for her because she lived in a very well-off area that was taken care of by Kim Jong-un. A lot of North Koreans, the biggest source of protein in North Korea is actually grasshoppers because that's what they can get quite easily, but grass bugs and tree bark um, are a common diet for a lot of um, North Korean, particularly children. Um, I don't, I'm I'm not sure if I go on a bit more about the food later, but basically um, Kim Jong-un in the current power is that he does not provide for anyone outside of the 10% um, of sort of royalty. Um, so he's looking at feeding 10% of the country and that's the people living in Pyongyang. Um, outside the 10% he's not interested in and he doesn't, um, he doesn't want to cater or care for that part of the country. So food, um, their production of food is literally terrible. And I'll explain how they fertilize their crops soon. Um, there's like there's nothing to it. So because the soil is not nutrient, they're not growing anything. Therefore, the animals that they're eating aren't worth much. Uh, food is so so limited. Um, 
and Yomni talks about this as people are in a state of constant starvation, so much so uh, she believes that this is um, the, all part of the plan um, because then people won't have the strength to question the leader. Um, so the Amnok River is a border between North Korea and China. It's very narrow at points, allowing North Koreans to secretly cross. Uh, this has since uh, – there used to be different routes to get out of North Korea, but it's since become much harder. They've got three different ways of getting people crossing the border now, whether as it used to at points be – I don't want to say simple, but a lot easier – Many die, so bodies are often found floating down the river. Um, North Korean, and that's um, how Hyacio escaped uh, via the river. Um, North Korean refugees are illegal in China, so they are, are the really the only relationship that North Korea have. And if they are sent back to North Korea – they are given the most extreme punishments and torture methods in the labour camps. So by all accounts, they don't want to um, get, be sent back. Caught by Chinese police, they get interroga- interrogated. Somebody actually accused Hayasia of being North Korean and they tested her Chinese language and she passed just due to her um, her being clever, really. Um, if sent back to China, as I said, tortured, imprisoned, publicly executed, um, due to 67 years of division, North Koreans are very different to South Koreans. So even though um, South – well, it's it's actually – at the moment it's actually impossible to get into South Korea, but you'd think that they, they'd be so similar in a way because they started off together, but there's extreme differences between the two. And the last part I want to read about um, – Hayasio is the Songbun. So she talks about the class system that operates in North Korea. A family is considered either loyal, wavering or hostile, depending on what the father's family were doing before, during and after the founding of the state in 1948. If your grandfather was a descendant of workers or peasants and had fought on the right side of the Korean war, your family would be classified as loyal. If your family, including landlords or officials or officials who worked for the Japanese, or if you had family members who fled to South Korea during the war, your family is hostile. There's 51 levels levels of status. People in hostile classes, they're assigned to farms, manual labor. Uh, If you're in the wavering class, teachers, military ranks, low military ranks and and loyal class is the only chance to live in Pyongyang and you have the freedom to choose a career and that's the only class that you can choose your own career. It's easy to sink, very easy to sink. So if I um, was, as I said, if I had some dust on my picture of Kim Jong-un, I would automatically go back to the bottom class. You cannot rise out of that um, and therefore the opportunities for yourself and your family instantly seize. You can't marry up. So if I fell in love with somebody who was – wavering class and I was hostile class, which wavering's um, hostile is the very bottom, wavering's above, I can't then get married to somebody and then they become wavering. You cannot marry up. You have to go down. Um, something really heartbreaking is that Hayasio went to classes about love 
because when she first got into South Korea, they taught them about the word love and what that means um, because love isn't a word that they know in North Korea and they also don't know the actions that come with love. And something interesting is that everybody has to attend self-criticism sessions every Saturday. During the sessions, they criticised each other and ourselves and if they didn't criticise for long enough or, or proper enough, they got into trouble. Okay, so now we move on to Yomni Park. Yomni has um, since uh, – she's done a lot since she um, fled North Korea. Um, she actually learnt her English watching Friends. She now works – does a lot of talks with the UN, but then that had to sort of stop due to her relationship with the UN. Um but she's very much a advocate's right um, speaker and um, does lots of work in the media. She actually has a YouTube channel that I really recommend, Yomni Park, Y-E-O-M-N-I Park, um, where she does little snippets like the seven food, the seven most popular foods in North Korea, um, the hairstyles we can and can't have. So just like little snippets um, that aren't too heavy. So she was born in the countryside, so very much flipped to Hayaseo. She um, came from a really poor family. Um, her father was sentenced to 17 years in prison when she was, I'm going to say, I think she was about four, um, for trading metals, so gold um, and steel. Uh, he was um, caught for doing this. So basically all food sources are no longer um, – I'm trying to see if I, I wrote this down. But basically a man was publicly executed, so he was killed. He was stoned to death because he killed and ate a cow on his property. So it was his cow but the cow was considered um, like the leader's land and everything belongs to the leader. So if you're caught taking something from the leader, you are punished. So there's actually no – there's no way you can – harvest your own food. Um, there's no uh, – there's I, I, I can't – I don't even know what to say. There's, it doesn't make any sense. It, it Yeah, it's um, – there's just no way for people to get ahead in North Korea. Um, so that's why her dad was selling medals on the side because he was trying to get enough money to trade for food, et cetera. Um, her mum was taken away for three years of questioning when the father went to prison. So she was left alone very early on with her sister and they ate grass, flowers, um, grass and flowers for food. Um, her dad was very clever and he had was diagnosed with cancer and he bribed and tricked the guards and said, if you let me out, I'll be able to bring you money. Again, it's this whole corruptness. Um, so he escaped uh, with – so he came out of prison and this was about the time that Yomni had escaped into China and she actually ended up getting him into China. When Yomni escaped, she was 13 and as soon as she, again, heavy trigger uh, content warning, she was um, she managed to get into China and uh, she speaks about how she had an address of some relatives that lived in China and she assumed she'd just cross the river and be there. 
Um, but it turns out it was 10 hours via taxi. And as I said, as soon as they're, if, if anyone suspects or finds that they're North Koreans, they have to send them back. Um, so in constant fear, as soon as she got, there was, um, there's people smugglers that work in China with North Korea. As soon as she got there, um, she got told that she would be sold, um, to a mentally retarded, as she describes it, mentally retarded, um, farmer. And this comes from the idea that. Um, actually, the one-child policy, there is oh, – where was it? Oh, I'm sure I wrote it down somewhere. Ten, I want to say 10,000. It's much more than that. I'm not going to – I'm not going to guess a number. But there's a, a very high amount of men who don't have a wife um, due to the one-child policy and the effects of it. Um. So she was given a price. She was given the price of two hundred, just under three hundred dollars, because she was um, a virgin, and that's considered more um, valuable. And her mum, they both lied about their age, but her mum was given the price of sixty five dollars on the spot. As soon as they got there, um, they as they tried to rape Yomni, but her mum instead stepped in and said, um, "Don't do that." And she sacrificed herself. So that was her first, um, that was Yomni's first experience in China. This is a really common thing. There's actually 300,000 North Korean refugees in China. 70% of North Korean women are victimized and they're sold in China. Sorry, it's 30 million men without China, uh, without women, I apologize. So, um, Yomni's, um, that was sort of Yomni's introduction to freedom was um, the treatment from uh, those Chinese people smugglers. She actually did have a bit of a happier story. As soon as she found her placement with this um, disabled farmer, uh, his caretaker was really kind to her and she actually um, had an okay time there before she was then able to move spots and finally become an officially registered refugee and, and not hide and, and now, as I said, she's living in America. So her story actually got happier a lot quicker, um, thankfully. So she speaks about her time in North Korea. Um, there's only one channel on TV, no internet. You're not allowed to sing in North Korea not allowed to wear your own choice of clothes. Uh, if you make an international phone call, you can be executed unless you have permission to make it. The word love, as I said, doesn't exist, but it doesn't exist as a word in a song or in movies. Um, every story, every movie, every play, every song is about Kim Jong-un. Um, at nine years old, she saw her first public at execution um, and it was mandatory to, to attend these public executions and the crime of the person that was being killed, it was actually her mother's friend and her crime was she got found watching a Hollywood movie. Um, she speaks that she didn't know North Korea was bad so she, because she didn't know a li different life. Um, again, saw lots of people dying in dead bodies but didn't think it was sad because she didn't know she should feel that way. There was very, very little electricity, which which leads me to the photo I posted on Instagram. So that's a picture of um, North Korea and it's called the dark country because if you see where um, the border of um, South Korea and China um, stop, it's North Korea, but there's – no light. There's a tiny bit of light in Pyongyang, Pyongyang 
Pyongyang. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it, you can see in my photo on Instagram and Facebook about that. Oh, I've got a message. Hmm. Yes, Will, please feel free to call in. Um, uh, as I said, very little to no electricity. So they had certain times of the day where they could use, for example, their microwave. Oh, <laughs> probably right there, William. Um, he um, probably uh, – sorry, let me start again. They had certain times during the day where they could use their microwave if they were lucky enough to have one. So, for example, between 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock you can use your microwave. And if you're caught using it after those times, um, you could be punished. Um there was no electricity at night either. That that was very general, a very common. Sorry. Um, as I said, starving mode didn't want people to think about the revolution. If someone challenges authority, it can actually, depending on it, it can actually be up to eight generations punished, and the family then disappears. So that was the whole uh, idea behind that. There's no cookbooks in North Korea and Yomni jokes and said, like, what, what are we meant to cook with? There's nothing to eat. Um, keep 10% alive. So only the people in the capital, Pyongyang, um, 10%, um, and it'll be fine. We don't intervene with the other 90%. We just need to keep our, our main people fit and healthy was Kim Jong-un's, um, I, uh, you know, opinion. Um Every morning she explained that it takes 30 minutes to get up and feel stable due to being so starving. The average height for a woman was 4 foot 10 and this is due to malnutrition. Um, in 2020, Kim Jong-un confiscated all dogs because he felt it was too Western and he didn't like the look of it. As I said before, government doesn't provide food. You can't farm your own food. You can't find, farm your own food, otherwise you get punished. Um, oh, this is a fact that I wasn't sure if I wanted to include. So this is a content warning. If you want to turn it down and not hear it, please feel free. Um, she speaks of um, two different things. So one thing was that when she was at a train station, a lot of people, uh, the travel in North Korea is terrible because of the non to little to none ele uh, electricity. So the trains, for example, people often ended up pushing the trains. So it took a month to get any, like it was just ridiculous. It took, it can take a month to get from one side of North Korea to the other. Um, so obviously people don't do it. You do need permission to travel anywhere in North Korea if you're leaving cities and you are not allowed to travel um, outside of North Korea, of course. Um, but she said that a lot of dead bodies were often at train stations because that's where people would be because they're, you know, trying to get out or trying to go somewhere for, for help. Um, and she particularly speaks about a young teenage boy whose um, intestines were actually outside of his body, um, but he was still alive and asking for food. And she spoke about the flies that she saw around him. She also spoke about a time when she went to hospital um, with stomach pains and um, she, they said, you've got a burst appendix. 
they did an operation on her with no anesthesia at all. Um, there was only one needle that they used and they used it on her and as well as everyone else. So there was just one piece of equipment. Um, and then the risk of obviously infection was very high. More people died of infection than actually the pain that they were in. Um, and unfortunately, this is also where she saw a lot of her dead, a lot of the dead bodies were in hospital. She also speaks about rats. Oh, I can't. I don't think I'll even say it, but she speaks about rats getting onto the dead bodies and then children eating the rats and then getting sick. Um, Just recently, a North Korean soldier was found wounded, very much wounded, so three gunshots. Um, He was found in South Korea and he was working at the DMZ. So, again, that's sort of a place where they – um, would would feed soldiers well um, because that's sort of their show area. Um, and they were taking the bullets out of his body when he was receiving help and they found seven parasite worms in his um, stomach, one of them being a foot long. And I'll explain how that came to be soon. <sighs> So the current setup for between North Korea, uh, sorry, China and North Korea, which used to be the the most popular escape route, is that now they've got an electric fence, armed guards, and as of a few years ago, Kim Jong Un has planted landmines um, on that route. So as I said, making it impossible. Darren has texted in. Um, this is really interesting. Several tunnels have been discovered that were dug by North Korea towards South Korea, including one that was big enough for vehicles. Um, he said that mum and him did a tour down one and that's well, that was really scary because these were this was quite recent information. Um, so that's, that's really, really concerning um, and, um, yeah, just makes you question, question it. Uh, not question, you know what I mean. It really makes you think about um, what their current stance towards South Korea is today. There's actually no word in North Korea for I. The only word you can use is we because everything is together and for the leader. Um, love, the love um, that you can show can only be towards the leader, not to one another or family members. When Kim Jong-il died, this is what I was going to talk about, the period of mourning when he died, people were arrested for not crying enough. So if you went to the um, mornings, uh, they had uh, it was a month of mourning, so every day people just had to go and look at their statue and cry. And if you were shown to be not crying enough, you could be publicly executed. Um, Mandatory to attend public executions. Unfortunately, the children have to go at the front because they're shortest. And he recently, they used to be, um, you know, hanging and being shot, which is actually more humane. But he thought it would be nice to bring in um, planes and missiles and sort of blow people up as part of the execution. So that's something that's somewhat new to do that during the executions. Um, There's no charge of rape or physical assault in North Korea. Um, So you can imagine how uh, rampant that is. Uh, for obviously um, North Korea is very well known for their nuclear weapons and who's supplying the oil but China. So China is f- is fueling that fire. Um, if Kim Jong-un did four less nuclear weapons, it would cost the amount to feed the whole of North Korea. 
Um, they only bar- only bathed, and I, I'm saying this um, from Yomni, so her family, and uh, I'm going to say majority of people in North Korea, they only had a bath a few times a year and never in winter. And conscript was um, conscription was mandatory. Uh, ten, 10 years for females or 13 years for males. And I think we'll just have a quick word from our sponsor. Uh, Mark, it's Wit from Spiderbait here. Uh, are, are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Uh, are, you, are you talking to me? No, what I said is, are you talking to me? <laughs> well, I'm the only one here, so who the hell are you talking to? Are you talking to me? <laughs> Listen in every Thursday night at 6pm. Wow. Imagine having your dad as your own sponsor. That was Mark Beatty um, and he's promoting his show, You Talking to Me, uh, and it, it um, swaps with me. So it's every second Thursday. Wowie. What a treat. Um, okay. I'm almost done. I've got three more little bits to talk about. So the first thing I want to talk about is the human fertilizer. I spoke uh, fertilizing. Um, I spoke about. I touched on this before. So, in an effort to revitalize the communist country's struggling agriculture state, um, you have to donate human waste. So it's one ton per family per year, but there's also different quotas to meet. Uh, as a child, for example, at school, you're required to bring uh, feces to school. And as an adult in the workplace, you're required to donate there as well. They don't have toilet paper. Um, well, they, they kind of do. They said that one roll would last a year. Um, there's nothing to, nothing goes to waste. Yomni even talks about um, if they had fires, they'd sweep up hair from the ground. Um, uh, oh, is that – we've had a text. Oh. Mum is listening. That's good to know. Um, nothing is waste. Uh, Yomni actually saw her first bin, her first waste, you know, trash can, um, of course, when when leaving um, North Korea uh, in China. Mum's texted in, very informative, Eleanor. The soldiers' family have to provide the food for the soldiers doing national service. Yeah, there you go. So that um, would be quite tricky to do. Um, and thank you for the fact there. Uh, uh, they don't have any flushing toilets and their ton is collected during Jan and February. And if they don't have the amount, they can be punished. So they have like outhouse style toilets and they have to lock them so people don't steal the waste. Okay, I've got two more things to cover. So the first thing is the case of an outsider getting arrested Another bit of a content warning. Um, Some people might have heard this story before, um, but it's a bit heavy. So Otto Warmbier, um, he was part of a guided guided tour college group. He was an American college student. And ever since the Korean War, Americans have been the big enemy of North Korea. They're painted out to be this, uh, the worst, the cruelest people on earth. They just do everything to attack North Korea, you know, everything like that. So um, they are the number one enemy. So particularly the fact that this was an American student, I think only made things worse. So Otto got caught trying to steal a propaganda poster from his hotel. Um, The way he got caught, he was quietly tapped on the shoulder and he was not 
seen again. So he was quickly taken away from the group. He was sentenced to 17 years in labour camp. It took the American government just over a year to get Otto free and obviously that would be with constant pressure. Um, and, and what's concerning is I'll, I'll explain how they found Otto and as Yomni said, they did this to the most media-driven country in the world, America. Um, they did this to somebody that they knew would be found out about. What are they doing to people behind closed doors? If this is what they're doing to people, you know, in the in the in the media. Um, so he landed in America on a stretcher, and he was in a vegetative state. So he was brain dead. Um, he could blink and breathe and that was it. His parents said that his limbs had been deformed and that his teeth had been rearranged. Um, He had a feeding tube. About one month after he landed back in America, uh, there was absolutely no improvement in his health and the doctor said this isn't going anywhere. Um, His parents requested his feeding tube be removed and he passed away um, from – his, his time in the labour camp. I do want to present another side because it's important that I give you really factual information. Um, there's two different sides on this. Um, uh, the, one side says that the doctor found that there was no torture and he was actually in good condition and that he was ill from contracting botulism and that's like a food poisoning parasite type thing and that he fell into a coma after taking a sleeping pill, which to say two things, I'm not going to comment but – I just want to let you know that that was one side of it. It was very much more popular and common to read that he um, was affected so badly and that's why he passed away. <sighs> okay, so there you have it. There is my summary of North Korea. Um, this was the hardest episode to research because there's a lot to research and I wanted to be factual and also I've done a lot of learning over the last four years and I had to go back to the source to make sure what I was saying is correct. So please rest assured I fact-checked this quite heavily. Um, the What I'd like to end with now is how to help North Koreans. So the first thing that's really common in all the defectors that I've heard from is to educate yourself about the human crisis in North Korea, hence the information I've presented you tonight. So if you feel confident and comfortable, um, if you could share even even a, um, a bit of a um, – even if you present it in, in a bit of a fun fact way, which is an awful way to, to say it, but um, if you can start having a conversation in your workplace, I find that – Nobody knows um, everything about North Korea. Uh, you know, people know parts and as I sort of heard from a few people, we know different parts and people know different things um, but the more info- in information we have and that we can spread, the, the, more, um, the more powerful it is. Um, support North Koreans refugees who are trying to escape freedom. Now that's more so when she spoke at a global, co- a, a, you know, a global conference. So um, yes, of course, but but that doesn't necessarily apply to Australians as much. Um, petition petition for China to stop repatriation. So returning someone to their own country. Um, I, it's so heartbreaking to think that when they finally escape, they're met with a fate of. Um, sex slavery and, and physical labour and being sold for a price um, and then being blackmailed and, you know, um, told that they'd be sent back and, and living uh, as 
you know, living this life where they have to hide from the government, um, if they, you know, if some sort of deal came from from that where um, the Chinese government, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how they could, I don't know if they're just turning a blind eye to what's actually happening in North Korea. Of course, that's, it's not my place to say, but um, that, that would be a really big thing because China is the most popular place for North Korean refugees. Um, believe it or not, USBs are really important. And if you've seen a picture, it's been floating around on Facebook. Um, it's lots of it's like a board, and they have Kim Jong Un's face, and you can stick a USB in his mouth. So I'll, I'll read you their little blurb. Believe it or not, USBs are a significant form of sharing information in North Korea. Many citizens have devices with USB ports and SD card slots. For many years, North Korean defectors have organised efforts to smuggle outside info into North Korea on USB drives to counter Kim Jong-un's constant propaganda. But these groups were buying memory devices at cost with limited resources. Flash Drives for Freedom is a campaign that travels the world inspiring people to donate their memory drives. An initiative launched and managed by the Human Rights Foundation, Flash Drives for Freedom is significantly increasing the capacity of these North Korean defector groups. This is popular in America. Um, I haven't seen anything like this in Australia yet, but it's important that you're aware of things like this. And finally, there's an organisation called Liberty in North Korea that my mum actually came across um it is an american-based organization but if you jump onto their website they um do a really good summary of what life's like and it's including um defectors and and video clips and there's even like videos of north korean propaganda which was hilarious unfortunately i have to say it was so funny um so that's called liberty in north korea you can buy um products off of them. Uh, my mum brought me a bag, like a little tote bag for Christmas, which I just love, but it's pretty expensive because it's from America. So, um, it, it might, that might be worth, um, making a straight donation to, or even just jumping on their website to find out more information. Okay. I'm done. That's it. 6.57. It's 57 minutes long. I really hope that you learned something tonight. Um, please, I'd, I'd love to have a conversation about North Korea with you. You might go and do some research. As I said, the two most best books I've ever read are The Girl with Seven Names and In Order to Live. It's either in In Order to Live or In Order to Survive, and I apologise, I can't remember. Um, I've got the books. I'm happy to lend them to you, and I'm always happy to have a chat about North Korea to anyone who is so willing, but please um, maybe after you've had some time to reflect on what you've heard, if you want to maybe share some information with your family and friends, that would be great. All right. Um, thanks. If you're still here, thanks for tuning in and we'll be back in a fortnight's time. Uh, thank you to my brother, William, who really silently sits here the whole time and listens to me go on, um, but he does all the audio, even though he's kindly shown me what to do. Uh, I feel better when he's here. So we'll be back in a fortnight unpacking the song We Didn't Start the Fire. North Korea was actually is actually part of Billy Joel's song We Didn't Start the Fire, but I felt it needed its own episode and I hope you would agree that it did. Okay, good night, everyone. Have a great week and it's In Order to Live. Thanks, Mum. The book's called In Order to Live. Um, have a great fortnight and I will see you next episode. Bye. 